The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and in the holiday spirit, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's Buzz, your business wish list for 2015. If you're wishing and hoping and praying for a crystal ball to help you see what 2015 could bring for your company, your industry, the world, we've got the next best thing. This is part two of our 2015 prediction special. In total, we'll have over 40 thought leaders sharing their insights on the technologies, the strategies, the trends that can help you grow and compete better next year and far into the future. Today, I'm going to welcome 14 thought leaders who are sharing whatever is in front of them in that magical crystal ball. Today is Wednesday, December 17, 2014, so I say to my listeners, pour yourself a cup of Joe, a cup of Earl, a cup of Dom, whatever you like and whatever you can afford, and stay tuned for the next hour for 2015 Predictions Part 2. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and let's get started. I have three panelists up for Segment 1, and they just can't wait to share predictions. We're going to be speaking first with Kerry Brown at SAP, Jeff Tanner at Baylor University, and Stacey Perrin at SAP. Kerry Brown, you're first up. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. So predictions, I'm going to give you three minutes. Kerry, we can't wait to hear what you got. Talk to me. So my, my predictions really are, are in relation to the fact that the, the connection between SAP and the consumer and the user is getting closer and closer and closer. And I think, you know, we look historically at the relationship we've had has really been B2B or business to business, and it's becoming much more business to consumer. And as that experience, the end-to-end experience becomes simpler and is more focused on easy, engaging, and useful, what I think is going to happen is we're going to see the relationship and the connection between the employee who's doing actual work versus the IT organization who is supporting those employees who are doing actual work are going to change and become more directly connected to our organization and we to them. Um, I think what that's also going to mean is that the kinds of solutions for them where they are participating, contributing, crowdsourcing, and, and leading the, the expectations start to build a different kind of space that we all live in. Uh, the analogy I often use is, is one of a garden, where in the past the corporation has planted all the seeds and provided all of the, the sustenance to the organization, whereas now we're really creating a situation where everybody gets to plant seeds and contribute. And so you start to see more collaboration, a different focus on user experience, which reaches beyond just the UI but through to user adoption, and where you see um, our focus on how to equip them with things like the Learning Hub having a business user edition. So much more relationship and awareness and connection to 
the actual person who's doing the work versus the person who's building the tools for people who do the work. Interesting, Carrie. I loved your garden metaphor, and I have a question, a little bit of a dicey question here. Let's see if you if you want to answer it uh, up to you. You have a garden. It sounds like the opportunity is there for beautiful things to happen and grow, new colors, new hybrids, everything wonderful. But a garden also, we know, if left uncontrolled, can end up with a lot of weeds. OMG. So, Carrie, what do you think? Is there a, a built-in way, a mechanism to control what goes into that garden, or is it happy hour, whatever, whoever comes, and that's what happens. Any thoughts on that prediction? There are, actually. And if you look at, as, as organizations created forums and chat rooms and so forth, there was initially some fear around security and cleansing and managing of that. Mm-hmm. And what you find is people are pretty much self-monitoring. You know, in the past, people talked in the hallway, and you didn't have a way to see what they were saying, but they were talking to each other anyways. Now the good news is you can see what they're saying, and you can insert more information and more guidance where there might be some misinformation. And so absolutely the corporation continues or the enterprise continues to feed and seed and shape and direct, but you get to have some visibility and searchability and shareability by having more people involved. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's go to our second panelist. It's Jeff Tanner at Baylor University. Welcome, Jeff. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful, too. If you're wonderful, I'm wonderful. Let's wonderful. just mirror that. I love wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Johnny Mathis song, it's wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Jeff Tanner, I'm ready for your predictions. What do you see in the future, next year? Well, it's, it's funny to me that um, the first one I was going to uh, bring up ties directly into your garden going into weeds um, analogy. The, uh, you know, the area where I look closest is, is the marketing automation side and, and data-driven customer strategy. Um, and what I've heard uh, in the vendor space over the last couple of months is 2015 is going to be a year for either innovation or integration. And I, I really think that a lot of it's going to be about integration because if you look at the marketing automation space, you've got a lot of users out there who are working in a weed-filled garden. It's, it's a lot of overlapping applications um, that are siloed. And, um, and so I think the pressure is going to be on. The, the, the second thing I think is going to happen is mm-hmm. an increase in self-serve analytics, uh, simpler tools for, for analytics to get more out of the data. But then that's going to drive the integration because if the tools are siloed, the data are siloed. And and we just can't have siloed data if we're really trying to use that data to make decisions. So I think the self-serve analytics is going to drive greater integration. Um, so then where's the innovation going to be? And I think it's mm-hmm. going to be in uh, demand to supply chain um, integration. Uh, it's going to be building those connections uh, within the organization that make the customer experience more meaningful, more engaging, more relevant. Thank you, Jeff. I have a question for you about self-serve analytics. Self-serve sure. analytics. What kind of training goes into telling people first that they're available and B, how to use them right, and C, sharing what you find, sharing your results so that it is integrated? Your point about let's get away from silos and integrated. Just give me a little more meat there. Uh, we have some, some time. Stacy, don't worry. Plenty of time for you, dear. Uh, so, so, Jeff, how, how do you find out how do you know what to do with these self-serve analytics? How, how available will they be in the coming year and beyond? 
I think they're going to be widely available. Uh, to a large extent, some of those are already there. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of the, the, the analogy I use is Homer Simpson and the nuclear power plant. If, if the light is green, everything's fine. If the light is red, run like hell. And <laughs> there's, there's actually a pretty sophisticated analytics uh, function going on behind that. And at the user level, Depending on the sophistication of the of the user, it may be that simple or it may be more complex. But I think we are at the point where we can we can develop the user interfaces um, that ask questions in business language and not in math um, mm-hmm. and not in the statistics language. And uh, and then you look at applications like WalkMe that can guide users um, in real time as they work through it. And I. I I think we're right on the cusp of this just exploding. I like that idea. And are you sharing all of this exciting information and predictions with your students at Baylor, Jeff? Absolutely, absolutely. And so one challenge they have is they go out in the workforce thinking like me. So that's that's kind of a challenge for them. <laughs> so we've got a new prediction is there'll be more clones of Jeff Tanner, Dr. Yeah. Jeff Tanner. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Appreciate that. Let's turn to our third panelist in this segment. It's Stacy Perrin at SAP. Welcome, Stacy. How are you today? Hey, Bonnie. I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Pleasure. So talk to me. Let's hear your predictions for 2015 and beyond, if you wish. Sure. So I'm going to take this in a little bit different direction. My prediction is that 2015 will be the year of the employee experience. And this is going beyond the corporate culture phenomenon that we've had in the past, which I think is more of a down. Uh, we're going to look at it from the bottom up. Uh, last show, I think we talked about hashtag looky me. 2015 will be the employee year of hashtag what's in it for me. Um, I think falling under that employee experience umbrella, we're going to see companies really balancing diversity, specifically around generation and gender. Uh, 2014, we had a big focus on millennials, and I think in 2015, we're going to see more companies looking to Generation Z as a competitive advantage. No secret, we have a big skills gap out there, and you're going to see companies going into high schools, promoting STEM academics, and even offering Gen Z internships. Um, We also have baby boomers hitting that age. Companies are going to have to find a way to transfer that knowledge base. I think you're going to see more companies partnering baby boomers in mentoring programs with the incoming generations and keeping baby boomers on payroll in consulting roles. Um, Along that same theme, 2015 is going to be the year in which we see even more movement for women in leadership. I think you have shows coming up in next year for this. We have more females in leadership as role models. We've got YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki do any day with her fifth child. This isn't going to be about I am woman, hear me roar, but more about companies really, truly understanding how they can strike gold with men and women leading together. It's all about finding the balance, gender, generation. Um, Also, keeping with that employee experience theme, we're seeing very, very different work ethics between baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, all coming together. Managers and employee relations professionals are really going to have to focus on catering to the wants and needs of each generation. I believe we're going to see the pendulum swing to more live conversations and less email. I talked about simplification on our last show. I stand by it. We're on tech overload. Mm -hmm. We're craving human interaction. Um, Gen Z is the digital natives. They've shown a preference for face-to-face conversations versus that technical background they grew up with. 
Um, with all that in mind, the role of the manager and employee relations is going to be more relevant than ever. Managers will need to be more hands-on and really get to know their employees as people, and employee relations professionals are really going to be key in helping them do that while staying within the bounds of the law. I say if you don't have a strong employee relations team, you need to get on it now. Um, let's see, finally, uh, to better market employee experience, I think more and co- more companies will be social media, using social media. Um, from pictures of their digs on Instagram to video messaging and podcasts and really getting their own employees to do the same, uh, we're going to see more and more marketing on those social medias. I think highly skilled employees are hard to find. Those that are highly desired have the pick of where they want to work, and employees are, our employers are really going to have to get to competing and using social media to showcase what their company has in a fun, relatable way to all of those generations. So for me, it's all about employee experience, balancing gender and generation diversity, tone in the middle, strong employee relations support, and corporate use of social media. There you go. Thank you. Stacy. I have a quick question for you. Generation Z, what's the age range? Because I've been told that, that the millennials are going to turn 35 either this year or in 2015. So what is the age range of Generation Z, please? So Generation Z, the mid-range right now is about high school, right? So I think actually at the top of that is 14. So Around 14 is the top of it, 0 to 14. What we've actually seen, I don't know if if you've seen some of these articles, we had um, in the Bay Area, at least in California where I'm at, a sophomore in her spare time wrote a term paper about her theory on how to tackle cancer. Her, her, Her professor saw it and actually turned it over to Stanford University. The young lady, sophomore in high school, is over at Stanford testing that theory and working on how to attack cancer sales. Gen Z is really going to be a great focus for us. I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, and I don't think she's the only one who's who's uh, right. got that forward-looking, let's tackle some of the world's biggest problems and bringing their energy. Well, it's a good thing, and it's scary for me as a baby boomer to know that we're packing even more generations into the workforce working side-by-side, side, but it's also very exciting. So I want to wish the three of you in my first segment, Carrie Brown at SAP, Jeff Tanner, Dr. Jeff Tanner at Baylor University, and Stacey Perrin at SAP, wonderful holiday season. And thank you so much for being the brave three to kick off this 2015 predictions part two today december 17th happy holidays and i'll talk to you again in the new year bye carrie bye jeff bye stacy and coming up next on segment two we've got waiting on the line patiently gary Cokins, frank rust john ragsdale and jaco van eden and i'll tell you more about who they are when we come back we're going to take a quick break and get reset here for segment two don't even think of touching you know the drill that mouse that app that dial bread out When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are on segment two of our December 17th part two special of 2015 predictions presented by Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. Here we go. I'm welcoming now Gary Kokens of Analytics-Based Performance Management. Gary, say a quick hello. How are you today? I'm doing great, buddy. Thank you for joining me. Let's also welcome Frank Rust from the newly launched company, Summer Rust. Frank, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, John Ragsdale at the TSIA. How are you today, John? I'm doing great. Hello, everyone. Hello. Glad to have you. And Yako Van Eden at Deloitte. Welcome. Yako, how are you today? Yes, very good. Thank you. Good morning and good day. Good morning. Okay, let's get started. Let's see. We've got about uh, 12 minutes to this segment, so I'm going to give you each exact, I'll tell you what, two and a half minutes for predictions and give me a little couple of seconds to chat with each of you. So Gary Kokins, you're up first. Predictions 2015. Go. Great. Well, first, I'm interested in hearing Yakko because I'm an ex-Deloitte alumni, and it's always fun to listen to alumni in my sort of semi-retirement. <laughs> Quickly, I think we're going to see a shift to a more advanced rolling financial forecast. I'm going to keep in the sort of the CFO spot. I think the annual budgeting process is increasingly being criticized. It's out of date in a couple of months. It's this bottoms-up consolidation of all of these spreadsheets. And increasingly, modeling is what's going to take over. Uh, modeling because there'll be relationships and there'll be just a few good forecasts, increasingly good forecasts of demand, volume, mix. That's the kind of thing that organizations predict. And there's so many dependent variables uh, that can actually then be calculated. So kind of, in a sense, replaces this uh, cumbersome annual budget process. I think, secondly, there's a big wide gap between the chief financial officer function and the marketing and sales function. And I think that gap is going to be increasingly closed in this next year, hopefully continuously get closed. Um, finance, uh, the marketing and sales tend to just grow market share, grow sales, and what they need to do is grow profitable sales, which means the marketing team needs more help from the finance function calculating customer channel profitability so that the marketing and sales is much better at identifying which types of customers to retain, to grow, to win back, to acquire which types, not how much to optimally spend on each segment with all of their marketing games and, and, and marketing campaigns and limited spending amounts. Gary, are we talking about getting more selective in terms of the customers or the prospects you target in terms of, well, this really doesn't look like a profitable relationship. We don't see any future growth that makes it worthwhile, so we simply won't talk to them. How does that model work? Just quickly give me an idea. Well, first they have to calculate customer profitability, and that's not mm -hmm. even done by most finance functions because they have to go below the gross product profit margin line. But once one sees the most profitable to the least and maybe unprofitable customers, now you've got data with which to analyze. It doesn't mean you have to terminate an unprofitable customer. Mm -hmm. You might be able to make them profitable with time. At the extreme, you would terminate the relationship because they're just basically not making money for you. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's something interesting to, for a prediction. Thank you, Gary Kokins. Let's turn to our second panelist on this segment. It's Frank Rust at Summer Rust. Frank, how are you today? You good? Very, very good. Thank you. Good. I am ready for your predictions. Go ahead. 
All right. So today I want to talk about the innovation efforts of traditional companies. So companies were affected by the digital transformation or the disruptive innovation. And for them, I have two predictions. So the first one is that I think adoption of the innovation methods will become more mainstream. So things like design thinking and the principles of lean startup will enter more and more companies. On the other hand, and this is my second prediction, I think there is something like an innovation disillusionment for many of them. So they will not gain what they hope for by simply using their techniques. So the question is, why should they even bother? And I think trends like the Internet of Things, big data, or 3D printing is already affecting established companies a lot. And there are a couple of examples out there. Let's think about Google Nest, what they did to the smart home business of the existing energy companies, or what 3D printing or the maker movement will uh, maybe do to the spare part business of traditional machinery producers. So I think it's obvious that the competition nowadays is coming from anywhere, and I think established companies recognize that there's a need for change. But at the same time, I think there's something like a clash between the innovation methods on the one hand and the company culture or the, the grown structures on the other hand. And um, I think there are two patterns which you can see. And I think the first one is um, this. They treat innovation as a workshop. So they use the right methods and tools, but only in a specific environment. So as soon as they leave the workshop room, they leave the principles behind without integrating them to the company culture. The second pattern, um, I think you can call it the innovation hamster wheel, is for companies who realized how much or how important it is um, to, be, to be very fast, so the speed, and so they have innovation teams outside the company structure, but they lose somehow the link to the company strategy. So the innovation is somehow random. They have individual innovation for specific customer needs, but taken together, they act so much complexity that they do not add much value as a whole. So the question is, what should these companies do? And I think there are different things you can do, and I just want to highlight two. Um, I think you need to make sure that the, the senior management is not only the sponsor or sitting in the steering committee, but that you actively involve them in your innovation process so that they will become part of the transformation. And the second is um, innovation shouldn't be a black box. So innovation should be transparent, that it's easier to align. And you should not only celebrate your success, but also accept your failures as part of the learning process. So in any case, I think 2015 and beyond will be exciting times, not only for customers, but also for employees um, looking for more creativity in their, their daily jobs. Thank you very much, Frank. A lot of meat on the bones there. I was taking some notes and I was intrigued by, I think you started out with the concept of innovation disillusionment. That's probably a whole show in itself. And the innovation hamster wheel, faster, 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 pedal, move. Let's see where you go. Well, we all know the hamster wheel. You're not going anywhere fast. You're just going fast. So that sounds interesting. We might have to cover some of these topics on our series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Thank you, Frank. Let's turn to your co-panelist in this segment. It's John Ragsdale at the T. S-I-A. I am ready for you, John. Give me two and a half minutes of predictions. Let's go. Okay, Bonnie, I'm going to talk fast. I spend my time in the CRM customer service and multi-channel world, 
And based on hundreds of TSIA member conversations and some research data, my prediction for 2015 is the cloud CRM adoption by large enterprises will begin waning in favor of managed service offerings. A few years back, companies started abandoning their legacy CRM systems in favor of cloud alternatives, primarily due to two main factors. The legacy systems were too complex to maintain, especially with IT resources disappearing, and cloud application purchases are by subscription, uh, which many companies are fitting into uh, their monthly operating budget, pushing these big purchases from a CapEx expense to an OpEx expense. So while cloud CRM seems a great fit for small and medium-sized companies, I'm hearing major complaints from large enterprises. The two biggest complaints are, number one, a lack of sophistication. Cloud CRM is lacking in functional depth, particularly around contract management, renewals, reporting, analytics, and dashboards. And on cost, the single biggest complaint I get about cloud CRM is that customers feel they're being nickel and dime to death with every new feature requiring an additional subscription cost. In my 2014 global technology survey, cloud CRM vendors had the lowest satisfaction score of any vendor in the survey. In fact, 20% of those using a cloud CRM tool rated it as highly unsatisfied. I know a lot of people think cloud is the end-all, be-all, but in my opinion, it's simply a step toward a better solution, and that better solution is or paid to operate. Managed Services offers a turnkey solution including professional services, tech support, system administration, hardware and software, all wrapped up in a managed services subscription contract. These solutions could be on-premise, they could be in the cloud, it could be a hybrid of the two. Today's technology buyers don't care where the product resides. What's important to them is that whoever sells them the solution, they also fully manage it. The hardware and software vendors that are offering this today are seeing explosive revenue growth in managed services. In fact, many of our managed services members are seeing triple-digit growth year over year. So to recap, Companies originally began adopting cloud tools to eliminate complexity from their environments. What they found is the complexity diminished, but so did the business value of the tools. And I think managed services provides the best of both worlds, highly sophisticated technology, but with no on-site complexity. Thank you very much, John. A lot of interesting information there. Uh, your comments about cloud CRM were of most interest, but I'm not going to comment on those. Thank you so much. And let's bring on our third panelist, This is uh, fourth. This is Yako Van Eden at Deloitte. Yako, welcome. And let's hear how you're shaping up for 2015. What are your predictions? Yes, great. Thank you, Bonnie. And I just want to say hi to my alumni there, Gary. Um, yes, I think there was a, definitely a couple of themes that might overlap, and, and I'll start with my first big one, that I believe uh, we're going to see an acceleration in the concept of intelligent data, data that becomes meaningful, insightful, help drive action, visible, but not just as a, ten, as a tendency, but also how it influences me as the individual, being a customer, being a vendor, being an employee, um, in operations, sales, or in the in the kind of buying community. So in data is becoming key it's, it, it, with the clouds and the tools and in-memory kind of capabilities that we have now see evolving very quickly. With the combination of cloud, it really becomes powerful that I can understand and interpret it and then make it predictive to tell me what I should do. It ties hand-in-hand hand with my second key one, 
and overlaps with what Frank was saying a little bit, is that design has now become mainstream. So if you look at user experience, which was early uh, a while back and you know, out of the box thinking today, it's becoming mainstream. So companies are now seeing, well, I can, I can do more. I can reimagine. But where do I get the insight and how do I combine my business process so things that people do not transactional with that intelligent data, with my collaboration real time to connect right time, right place, right information, right person, and of course the right content when I need that. So how do I bring all of that together quick, fast, and powerful? That experience is now going to be the next one. And you really need to be flexible and precise and also intuitive for me as an individual. Bring that together. Um, it also leads to, I think, a larger prediction that I have for 2015 is where we still will start to see the building out of uh, smart cities, where cities and big buildings are going to start to connect, where the architecture firms and platform companies will come together to say, well, can we not provide a solution for the whole building and buildings and eventually cities to optimize um, save, optimize, and replan and, and reimagine uh, a more efficient uh, process as well as more useful uh, environment for us. And then the last one, I think, is uh, with the talk about 3D printing. Um, not, I think it's, it's accelerating in the, in the maintenance. The problem is really your IP, who owns the design. That's going to be the big thing. But once we sort out how we uh, commoditize that, it's really going to have a disruption effect in supply chain. So we really see uh, students even today starting to realize that studying the old way of supply chain might have to be adopted very quickly in a new world because they're going to have a big impact on each other. So those are the key things that I'm thinking about, and uh, user experience is definitely for me a driver as a mainstream capability now as a, inside the organization. Jakob Van Eden, thank you so much. I love your prediction about smart cities. I think we're all ready for smarter cities, especially the ones that started that and architects working together with all of our connected sensors. Love the idea. I want to say a special holiday shout-out to my four panelists on this segment, Gary Kokens, Frank Rust, John Ragsdale, Jakob Van Eden. Thank you all for joining me on this predictions. We call it predictions on steroids. All the best of the holidays. Happy New Year. I'm ready to take my break. And when we come back in just a minute, we will be speaking with Florian Bro. Brody, Gampi Ganapathy, Reuven Gorscht, and Falk Riker. I'm Bonnie DeGram. You're listening to the December 17th, 2014, Part 2 of our 2015 Predictions Special. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think, oh, you know, just stick around. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. We're doing 2015 predictions on steroids. That's right. And I have a panel of four ready to share theirs. I'll just go one by one. First up is Florian Brody at SAP. Florian, welcome. And why don't you start? Give me two and a half minutes of predictions for 2015. Go. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, time flies so fast. It's really hard to make predictions just for one year. We just heard the Deloitte jingle, and they made some predictions for 2013. Time goes so fast, you can't even change the the messaging. Uh, We heard a lot about clouds and 3D printing and smart cities and design. I think a very important um, change that we will observe is the move from uh, so, social media sharing to social media recording. Alexis Lloyd of the New York Times talk about the compulsion to record. The new uh, devices, special devices that also tie in mobile devices with health data, uh, will allow people to record basically everything that can be recorded about their daily life and about their work. We've seen earlier work by Gordon Bell with My Life Bits of Microsoft that recorded a whole life. So we'll see a lot of interest in that. Um, but what's even more interesting, and I think the industry will have to pay very close attention to that, yeah, we will see people getting tired of numbers. Obviously, when you run big organizations, Big data is important, but there is more than big data. And uh, as much as we saw 25 years ago, the big call for the information society, we will see uh, probably a, a move towards a way more personal society. I just came back yesterday from Europe, seeing where an environment where privacy has a completely different position towards uh, freedom of speech, mm-hmm. and I think we'll also see this in the U.S., that the market will move from obsessive recording, measuring, and uh, sharing as much as it's fun to spend your whole day or to be more like waste your whole day with cat videos on Facebook and other social media networks, we will see people going back to actually living their lives or what Heidegger called Dasein. Uh, this is very important for the economy because products will have to change towards a way more direct experience of the world around us. And developments like design and smart city will have, a, a, obviously, a very strong impact on that. The ability Florian, to store, yep. yeah. one more, one more, and then we got to go to Gampy. Go ahead, one more. Uh, well, in summing this up, I think we will see a very, very interesting uh, development. And uh, I would say over the next two to three years, mm-hmm. to moving from just randomly putting stuff about yourself on the web to actually experiencing life here in the world where we are, what they call the real world, uh, and how it integrates with uh, 
uh, the, um, the way we share data online. Florian Brody, thank you so much. I was so intrigued with social media recording. I think we're going to have to do a radio show about that, but no time to go into it now. Thank you. Let's turn to your co-panelist here. It's Nacharaj Ganapathy. We know him as our good friend Gampy at Cogent IBS. That's Integrated Business Solutions. Gampy, welcome, and I'm going to give you two and a half minutes for your predictions. Let's start, please. It's a pleasure to be on this show, uh, Bonnie, with this great group of panelists, and thank you for having me again. Um, quickly, as far as predictions go, I agree with Florian. It's hard to predict or come up with predictions for just one year, but let me give it a try. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is employee engagement. Employee engagement as a concept has been around for 30-plus years, but what I see or I'm seeing already is companies will start addressing this as an issue that the people recognize, companies recognize that this is an issue that needs addressing not just as a technological issue that needs addressing, as uh, holistically companies will start looking at it. Um, and employee engagement is not just about annual performance reviews. Employee engagement is not ju- just about annual merit increases. Companies will start looking at it holistically and start um, uh, addressing issues on a daily basis. I'm, I'm also expecting some kind of technological tools to enable this, uh, such as um, some kind of an employee sensing mechanism on a daily basis, something that tells uh, companies or managers that, you know, Joe today left work happy uh, or Joe left today <laughs> <laughs> not so happy, you know, a smiley face or something like that. So I certainly think these kinds of technological tools may eventually help companies get to that point, not again as an annual um, evaluation of employee uh, uh, performances, but more on a daily basis. The second one, uh, gamification. <clears throat> I had talked about it earlier in one of my shows, but gamification has a lot of scope in the HR side of things and the HR processes, and you know, a lot of HR uh, processes can be gamified, such as uh, recruitment and training. But I'm also expecting more and more other businesses pro- business processes to be uh, gamified. Uh, one example Thanks. could be around customer uh, loyalty or some kind of a customer engagement program, customer um, satisfaction that uh, companies want to monitor. So I definitely see more and more gamification-related applications out, both mobile as well as on the web. Again, not just in HR space, but I certainly do see gamification to be a big, uh, to play a big role. And the third uh, prediction that I have today is uh, around um, recruitment and uh, how that's going to change a little bit. Uh, I'm calling it smart recruitment. There will be more applications, more tools that will be available in the market that will help companies recruit in a more intelligent way. Uh, We're already seeing that trend. Um, Again, with the changing uh, workforce, changing demographics, more and more millennials in the uh, workspace, I think uh, some kind of a smart uh, recruitment application or some kind of a smart recruitment uh, systems will be available in the market. So those are my predictions, Bonnie. Thank you, Gampy. I loved your comment about predicting tech tools that will help the employer know Joe or Mary left work today happy. I can see a new definition of the old term, happy hour. Before you leave work, put the smiley face on and let them think you're loving it. That's not such a bad idea either if we adopt it in real life. Thank you, Gampy. Let's turn to our third panelist in this segment. It's Reuven Gorst at SAP. Reuven, welcome. How are you? Hey, Bonnie. Good morning. Doing great. Yourself? Wonderful. Thank you. Can't wait for your predictions. I'm giving you two and a half minutes. Get going. Excellent. So my prediction is really going to be around how organizations are going to shift into the 21st century, more from a management and people perspective. 
So just to give a little bit of context, obviously, and, and a lot of uh, a lot of the panelists this morning are talking about the phenomenal and unprecedented pace of change that's happening out there. The life expectancy, for example, of a Fortune 500 company has really declined to about an average of about 15 years from a lifespan of 75 years where it was about 50 years ago. So again, the pace of change is just massive here. What we're seeing um, in organizations is essentially inertia. The inertia is causing 60% of strategies to fail, and that's mostly due to execution. And why is this happening? So it's, it's, it's uh, one of our previous panelists here, Frank, called it a little bit of the innovation hamster wheel, a little bit mm-hmm. of the inertia that's happening in organizations as they strive to digest all this massive change and disruption that's happening. And quite simply, people are... People are changing much slower than organizations, and that's really the primary cause of disruption. Yes, there's a lot more competition, et cetera, but we really struggle to change. And what we're seeing in today's organizations, we're seeing that organizations are seeing change coming, but they go through the various (coughs) stages of denial. They take their time before they, they would actually admit that they have a problem. And even once they do admit they have a problem, change is slow as, as uh, leaders take time to get behind a new change, internalizing it, and not to mention then you have your detractors, your deniers, and even saboteurs of your new, uh, of your new strategy. Um, we're still seeing organizations that are still primarily incremental. So most folks at the helm of organizations have been taught and co- came up through the ranks around managing predictable businesses based on metrics. So um, back to this whole innovation concept on a, on a hamster wheel, innovation is often met with two words, um, prove it, right? So we analyze data, and, and, and all that data really uh, results in non-game-changing innovation and more so incremental innovation, which, which is only sustained for a very short period of time. And, um, and, and the last thing we're seeing is organizations are sort of emotionally insipid. So basically set up for command and control, which was wonderful in the industrial era where you had a very specific job, like attaching a mirror to a vehicle on, on an assembly line. But now that we're in the knowledge economy, um, and, and I think I'll echo a lot of what's been said by my fellow panelists here, uh, initiative, imagination, passion, etc. they can't be commanded. They have to be cultivated and inspired. So my prediction is as follows. So tomorrow's organization, what it looks like is we're moving from process from process innovation and best practices into experimentation, risk-taking, and questioning, cultures of questioning the status quo and challenging the norms. From managing people to conscious leaders that are leading with purpose, so back to that happiness factor and leading to inspire. From silos and functions to project and purpose-based work. From managing headcount to managing capabilities and developing talent, not only now, but for the future and future generations that are coming into the workforce. And last but not least, moving from the siloed organization, from the stovepipes of finance, HR, manufacturing, supply chain, and so on, into the networked organization, realizing some of the beauty that we've seen in the consumer world in terms of connecting people, um, leading towards a common purpose and result. Ruben, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. I don't have time to comment, but I, I loved your concept, comment on cultures of questioning and moving from silos to networking following the consumer world. Thank you. Falk Riker, welcome. You're up last in the segment. I can, I'm going to give you two and a half minutes on the dot before we go to our next segment. So, Falk, welcome, and let's hear your predictions, please. Yeah. Bonnie, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Pleasure. Here are my three predictions. Number one. Digital banking will change banking forever. 
2015 will see a major breakthrough for digital banking. And this will be driven not only by banks, but specifically by non-banks as well. So the recent announcement you saw from Apple and Walmart are just the beginning of what we will see in terms of retail banking of the future. Customers demand a superior customer experience, Bonnie. And uh, just to give you an example, I closed one of my accounts on Sunday after having a disappointing experience and spending more than two hours to get a transaction done. So usability uh, of mobile and online applications, communication and interaction via digital channels, as well as analytics, Internet of Things, and turning big data into smart data are key for banks to compete in the digital age, specifically when it comes to the younger generation, the millenniums. To net it out, the bank of tomorrow will have to go with their customers wherever they go. And not the customers have to go to the bank as it was in the past. So number one, digital banking will change forever. Number two, cloud transformation. Uh, banks will adopt cloud offerings to a larger extent and implement the cloud-first policy for new projects. Uh, we see banks adopting public and private cloud offerings, and uh, we uh, assume that uh, we will see major growth rates of adoption of private and public cloud offerings in 2015. The future, though, from an IT strategy will be hybrid models in which IT will be consumed flexibly in the cloud as on-premise. And last but not least, prediction number three, the topic of finance risk and compliance will not go away. In contrary, banks will face even more regulations going forward. So smart data management approaches, real-time technology will be key to address the transparency and the required response times. Banks need also to see the potential that goes along with the better finance and risk management. And keep in mind, there's only one thing that is worse than having no data, Bonnie, and that mm -hmm. is bad data. Thank you, Falk. That, that's something we want to something we want to print on the side of a pillow for Christmas. I think this nothing worse than having no. It's having bad data. Thank you, Falk. Thank you, Florian Brody, Gampy Ganapathy, Reuven Gorst, and Falk Riker. I want to wish you happy holidays, everything wonderful in the new year, and I hope to speak with you again soon. And uh, we're going to take leave of you in just a moment. And waiting in the wings of our fourth segment panelists, we have Contranelli at SAP, Steve Player at Beyond EPS Advisors, and Andrew J. Sherman at Jones. Day. We'll be right back after the break. You don't want to go anywhere. You want to hear the last three. What a great show we're having. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is part two of our 2015 prediction special. What a great set of panels we've had. We've had part one, two, and three of part two, and now we're ready to close out the show with three more great thought leaders. Their names are Contour Nelly at SAP, Steve Player at Beyond EPS Advisors, and Andrew J. Sherman at Jones Day. So I'm going to just bring you on one at a time, and let's get started. Contour Nelly, welcome. I'm going to give you two and a half minutes for predictions. Why don't you wow me? Go ahead, Con. Hi, Bonnie. Great to be back on the show. I'll be talking about mobile analytics, uh, a topic that is close to my heart, as you know. In 2015, I expect that the demand for mobile BI solutions will continue to grow. Some of our listeners may recall um, a discussion Howard Dresden and I had about this topic during another show this year. Uh, Howard spoke about how mobile BI is quickly becoming mainstream and that a majority of organizations are stating that it's either critical or very important. I see several factors contributing to this trend and expect the momentum to continue in 2015. Let's talk about them briefly. First and foremost, we've come a long way from the early days of mobile BI when the first tablet, specifically the first iPad in my case, was released by Apple five years ago. At the time, the mobile BI and mobile user experience was limited and not fully formed. Fast forward to today, and you, you can expect a degree of maturity and stability with mobile BI solutions. Other factors include abundant access to high-speed wireless access outside the office. And let's not forget, uh, more and more people are using mobile devices. However, I feel that the fundamentals have not changed. Mobile BI doesn't mean mobile-enabled reports. To enable faster, better informed business decisions and to drive growth and profitability and integrated strategies essential. So as we expect the demand to grow, we need to pay attention to that factor. The strategy must leverage mobile BI strengths and minimize its weaknesses. And moreover, it can't exist separately from or independent of the business or technology strategy. In my presentations, I often advocate that we need to consider all facets of user interactions and take a holistic approach. I refer to this as managing the mobile user life cycle. I'm also convinced that a mobile mindset is needed to be successful with mobile BI solutions. Remember, we're not just building a report or a dashboard. We're designing a consistently superior mobile user experience. We need to think about delivering integrated mobile solutions in a way where each part completes the mobile user experience as a whole. And here's a final thought for our listeners. As you plan for 2015, mobile BI or not, think about leadership and talent first and technology second. I really believe that this is key for our success. If you want to drive growth and profitability, technology alone won't be the only ingredient. It starts with leadership, and, and our team's talent and passion will be the determining factor, especially when we navigate in uncharted waters. Thanks, Bonnie. Oh, Con, that was wonderful. I was taking notes too much to even comment on, but I love the idea of <laughs> leadership and talent come first with passion and then technology. Great predictions. Thank you, Con. As always, let's turn to your co-panelist. Second one up is Steve Player at Beyond EPS Advisors. Steve, welcome. I'm going to give you two and a half minutes on the clock. Mr. Forecast, let's hear from you. 
Thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate that. Let me just leverage right off the cards uh, discussion right there and navigating in uncharted waters. You know, I've heard the earlier panelists talk about uh, mobile analytics and uh, talent analytics and cloud analytics and innovative analytics. It seems like everything's got analytics, big data analytics. And so we're drowning in a sea of analytics. And and what we really got to do is move beyond the analytics and get into some storytelling. So let me tell you two stories. The first one, in relation to the analytics, it's more than just the numbers. As we, my prediction for twenty for, for uh, twenty fifteen is we'll get into really understanding how to tell the story with the analytics. So there's three things you need to do there. First, you need to understand cause and effect. That's in a nutshell what analytics does for us. It helps us understand cause and effect, and we're, we're related to mobility or cloud or or talent or whatever, understanding. The second thing, once you understand cause and effect, you then can create the ability to predict and to predict the future, the ability to forecast, to see what's coming based on what you see. But the ability to predict the future is still uh, not where you want to be because sometimes what you see out there is not where you want to go. So you have to bring the third thing in, and that's the ability to take action. If you know where things are headed and it's not where you want to go, how do you shift the plane? How do you shift the trajectory to get where you want to go? So be able to take that action. Uh, So think about that in terms of that. In terms of finance and the role that many of us have, learn how to tell these stories. In many cases, we wind up just presenting numbers and presenting data. You're so much more powerful if you can tell people what they mean. And when you can tell people what they mean, you can bring in the passion, you can bring in the direction, and you're much more engaged as a participant as opposed to a spectator or an observer. The reason fantasy football and fantasy sports go so crazy is because people get to participate in it. So think about how we use these analytics and how we can use it to get your people engaged by having them be actual participants in the game, not just spectators. So let me come back. Uh, we'll give you the second story. Is really what I see my, my final projection for 2015 is really about climbing. I see our movement as people move in finance and find better ways to do things. We're shedding the old and going with the new. We're shedding the things that don't work to give us time to deal with the things that do work. Uh, and I, and the, the main thing I see happening in my old projection for 2015 is we're going to see another 20% of the companies out there eliminate their budgets and move to rolling forecasts, move to more proactive ways of managing the business, and stop doing dumb stuff so we free ourselves up to do the things that really matter. And that will capture people's passion and capture the ability to tell the story of where we want to go. Thank you, Steve Player. If you didn't use that word dumb budgeting, I would have been surprised because I expected to hear that from you. Thanks for the great predictions. Andrew J. Sherman at Jones Day. I have saved two and a half minutes exactly for you. Predictions. Andrew, please go. So just to shake it up, I won't have the word digital or analytics in any of my predictions. Um, Number one, uh, being in D.C. and staring at the Capitol outside my window, I think our political stalemate unfortunately will worsen. Nothing will get done, uh, either harmful or helpful. Uh, I just don't see olive branches being passed around so far. I hope I'm wrong. Number two, the economy will continue to improve but it will be sloppy, choppy, and chunky. Uh, Sloppy in that it will be hard to predict, choppy in that we will continue to be on this uh, uh, roller coaster versus merry-go-round on the Dow and all of the other metrics that we all look at to determine whether or not the economy is growing or not. I think we will see some more trickle down to Main Street. We will see some concessions on wages, things that will help. Uh, trickle down to an improving uh, middle class. Capital markets, access to capital for entrepreneurial companies will improve, but it will continue to be selective 
And I'm going to throw in a bonus prediction other than by the, this time next year I'll be thinner and better looking, and that is that <laughs> we will see, and I don't know if early, early panels covered this, but, you know, a continued what I'll call Uberization of two to three other industries. I don't know which ones yet. I'm thinking hospitality, healthcare related, but, you know, I asked at a retreat recently of executive leaders, you know, how has Uber affected your business? How will it affect your business? What other industries will be Uberized and disrupted? And uh, it certainly got everybody thinking. So that's what I have for you as the very last segment of your December 17th Game Changer. You are wonderful, Andrew J. Sherman, as well as Contra Nally and Steve Player. I, I knew the three of you were perfect to wrap this up. I have my predictions, and there's some new information here. We are launching five new SAP radio series in quarter one, including these titles, Digital World with Game Changers, Transforming Your Business with Game Changers, Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, Business Networks with Game Changers, and Meet the Women Game Changers. How about that? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back later this afternoon with another episode of the Internet of Things with Game Changers. We're just game changing all over the place. Thanks to everyone. A special shout out to Brad Comer, my extraordinary engineer at Voice America World Talk Radio and the Business Channel team for putting up with this crazy predictions on steroids. What a format and it works. To all my guests, happy holidays, happy new year, and I hope to speak with all of you. I predict I will speak with all of you in 2015. So Con, Steve, and Andrew and everyone else, Thank you so much from my heart. Malcolm Kimberlin, thanks for tweeting along with everyone. And uh, have a great day. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer right this very second. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.